sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. Our guest today, Melissa Rogers, has worn many hats over the years as religious freedom activist, as an academic, and in government, and now is the author of Faith in American Public Life. It's been a decade since we heard from her here on Freedom's Ring. So, Melissa, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. It's great to be back. Well, if your NPR interview is, you know, any indication, you know, in your book, Faith in American Public Life, you sound some alarms about the status of religious freedom. Uh, what do you see as the biggest challenge that we face here in America when it comes to religious freedom? Yeah, I am afraid that we have a kind of a crisis going on right now with respect to religious freedom, where people are unable to worship and practice their faith without fear. And that is obviously a crisis of the first order in religious freedom terms, because we don't really have that freedom to speak of when we can't gather in our places of worship or walk down the street wearing a yarmulke or a turban or a headscarf and not feel frightened. So um, that is the issue that I think is the top religious freedom issue right now. And of course, you know, it doesn't affect everybody in the same way. It's unfortunately, it affects some of our neighbors who are from religious minority faiths much more uh, consequentially than it does the rest of us. Um, but it's something that we all need to work on. And those of us who are not being targeted need to be especially mindful about coming to aid those who are being targeted and speaking out to our elected officials and asking them to take action to ensure that everybody can practice their faith without fear. You know, since your book was released just recently, as, as we're talking now and being recorded, there was a recent incident of a horrific stabbing in a rabbi's home in a New York suburb. I used to live very near to there. Um, and so I know the, the Jewish community is in fear. In fact, uh, I understand there's a rally tonight in New York for the Jewish community, but there's also been shootings in churches. So yes, yes religious minorities have certainly taken a huge hit, but the whole issue of of security in churches and having uh, people serve as security guards and, uh, and the whole industry of church security is an issue. In all my decades of, of working for the church, this is something new even to think about having to have security guards. Right. No, that's exactly right, Alan. We've seen whether it was the First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs in Texas um, many months ago or just in the last couple of weeks, the um, Church of Christ in Texas. It is quite right. It's not limited to religious minorities. It's a crisis that affects all of us in our houses of worship. And I, like you, have not in my career seen anything like it up till now. And that is um, tremendously alarming. Uh, and at the same time, we have 
brothers and sisters and other faiths and other races and ethnicities. Sometimes it's the traditionally African-American church, for example, that has been targeted. I was just reading about one that's been targeted in California for, um, for vandalism in the last week. And so we have a crisis of different dimensions, um, but certainly a crisis generally in terms of the safety and security of people in our own country and around the world when it comes to our ability to practice our faith without fear. Are there some kind of more universal issues underlying this in terms of like the degree to which our whole society and culture have become polarized? Well, perhaps. I think that one thing that has not been helpful to the process has been, you know, a fear-mongering on the basis of religion, race, or ethnicity that we've seen, I think, more commonly in the last few years. Um, That has been a particular concern, I think, and you know, we all have to work on that and hold our, especially our government leaders accountable for that when we hear them saying things that are either fear-mongering on those factors or dehumanizing of people or even using violent rhetoric, I think, can have the effect of setting someone off who is not, you know, mentally stable. So I think there's a whole bunch of issues there in terms of the way we are talking about one another and talking about our neighbors that are really important. And then, of course, you know, there's a host of other issues that, um, you know, we talk about in terms of the proliferation of guns and and what we will do about that. That's a very important and um, difficult issue to handle. And, you know, just uh, making sure that we are actually... um, looking out for one another, as you say, and getting to know one another across our differences on race, religion, or sexual orientation, or nationality. These issues are so important because um, when we know one another, we are able to protect one another better. Well, you know, as I'm listening to you, I kind of hear you talking about the distinction between tribalism and pluralism. Uh, I think that America has kind of degenerated into a much more tribalistic culture than one of pluralism. Uh, and by that, I mean, you know, by tribalism, our affinity for those who are like us and our fear and suspicion of those who are different. Whereas in, in true pluralism, we respect one another, uh, maybe regardless of our differences, but we know that we're in a society where people of all kinds, colors, stripes, religions, we live together in peace. Yes, I do think that's a problem, Alan. I think that, you know, we see a kind of polarization um, when we get to factors that we've just discussed, race, religion, ethnicity, etc. But we also see a dangerous polarization along political lines where, you know, I think it was some polling recently that found that people were aghast at the thought that their child would marry someone of a different political party. And um, friendships not extending across political differences as they used to with greater frequency. So these are huge challenges that we have before us. And I think there's obviously a role for government to play in trying to bring us together, but really um, as importantly, the role that civil society leaders play, including religious leaders, 
play in bridging our differences, dialing down the temperature, and helping us to listen to one another and actually hear one another. We've never been in a perfect state of affairs, but I think we've taken a tumble in a bad direction in recent years. And certainly those of us who care about each other and care about religious freedom think these have to be front burner issues for all of us. You know, I couldn't agree more. When when I think about religious freedom in America, you know, since 9-11, of course, Muslim Americans, Sikh Americans have especially been afraid of, of discrimination, of hate, of being subjected to violence. More recently, anti-Semitism has really become front page news, and there's a lot more fear within the Jewish community. For a long time, the Christian community has been marketed fear and fear of some of these other groups. And there's been quite a bit of debate lately about the extent to which Christians' fear of losing religious freedom is warranted. And I wonder if you could address that subject briefly. Yeah. Well, I think those of us who are Christians, even backing up some, have to remember that, you know, we traditionally have been the majority in the country, and that's that's changing, at least white Christians, you know, that is changing demographically. And I think we all need to be very sensitive to the fact that, you know, we have to recognize that the Constitution actually instructs the government to act as if there are no second-class religions in our country. Um, All religions are to be equal under the Constitution. Now, we all have our own faiths and beliefs, and government should protect us in practicing them, but the government itself shouldn't favor one religion over another. And sometimes I think as Christians, because we have demographically been the majority, we tend to make an assumption that our faith ought to be favored, and I think that would be wrong, and we have to get a level of comfort with that and indeed work hard to extend the liberties we've enjoyed to others. I think, you know, to the extent there are other questions that are dividing Christians and dividing Americans, whether it's um, issues of discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity, for example, or issues related to abortion and contraception, those are obviously hot topics uh, where people will disagree and Americans will disagree, people of faith and Americans. And I think then we need to, um, you know, to listen to one another and look at the context where the issue is arising and, um, you know, be sensitive to the context. So, you know, happy to talk about that more if you wish, but I think it's, um, you know, that is one of those issues where we're having some trouble right now and we definitely need to do a better job of communicating across our concerns and resolving them with due respect to everybody's dignity, including, um, you know, LGBT people, women, and others, of course, including those who have views that are in tension with some other uh, human rights, including the right to equality on behalf of LGBT people. Sure. Well, and and this is a very divisive issue, of course. My own church, Seventh-day Adventist Church, has been supportive of a legislative initiative called Fairness for All that would protect both religious freedom and rights for LGBT persons. But it, it strikes me, going back to the fear issue, while, you know, there is some legitimate concern, ultimately, as to, you know, if there are winners or losers in the culture wars, But there are other fears which I think are overblown. 
going back to something you said earlier, the fear that uh, somehow Christianity won't be preferred and promoted by our country, as though the gospel needs yeah. the helping hand of government, right? Right, right, yeah. I always go back to a, a quote that I'm sure you know, our friend, um, forebear John Leland, Baptist pastor John Leland, who fought for religious liberty at the founding of our country. And he said that the fondness of magistrates to foster Christianity has done it more harm than all the persecutions ever did. And so I think it's very important for the government to treat all faiths equally because that's the right thing to do as a matter of conscience and respect for people's conscience. It's also important to remember, and at least I would make this point, that, and I think you're making it too, Alan, that when a religion receives support from government, it actually can do real harm to that faith by distorting it, you know, magnifying teachings that the state likes and minimizing teachings that the state does not like, such that we're left with a funhouse mirror version of our faith rather than an authentic one. So, you know, I think this idea of the American experiment that no religion is preferred over another and all people are treated equally, no matter their faith or lack thereof, is a brilliant idea that has worked not only to protect everybody's rights of conscience, but to actually have the effect of helping to ensure the integrity of faith itself, including ones that have traditionally been in the majority like Christianity in our own country. We're going to have to leave it there. Our guest today, Melissa Rogers, author of the new book, Faith in American Public Life. I hope this discussion has whetted your appetite to get the book and read it. And as we close, remember, folks, at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help workers suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org, churchstate.org. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Rana. Until next week, let freedom ring.